Welcome to the Shepherd's Voice with Pastor Johnny Awanyo. This simple, scripturally sound preaching and teaching of the Word of God will direct you to Jesus, the Good Shepherd. Follow the Shepherd's Voice into the green pastures that God has purposed for you. There, you'll find rest for your soul and the fulfilled Christian experience you crave. God bless you as you listen. Hallelujah. Amen. Put your hands together for Jesus. You come pick up your bass. You didn't dance in church today, did you dance? You want to say something to Pastor Elvis? All right. Okay. There's this song that I've been amusing myself with for some time. I mean, I saw a clip of it and it made me very happy. F. Darling Jesus, darling Jesus. Oh my darling Jesus, you're a wonderful Lord. I love you so much, darling Jesus. Oh my darling Jesus, you're a wonderful Lord. And you do it, darling Jesus, darling Jesus. Oh my darling Jesus, you're a wonderful Lord. I love you so much, darling Jesus. Oh my darling Jesus, you're a wonderful Sing it, darling. darling Jesus, darling Jesus, oh my darling Jesus, you're a wonderful Lord, I love you so, my darling Jesus, oh my darling Jesus, you're a wonderful Lord, there's a verse that goes like this, darling Jesus, you never feel me. Oh my darling Jesus, you are always on my case. Now you they give me joy, they give me peace, they give me grace. So I thank you, my Jesus. Oh, thank you, my Lord, darling. Darling Jesus, darling Jesus. Oh my darling Jesus, you are wonderful Lord. I love you. I love you so, my darling Jesus. Oh my darling Jesus, you are wonderful. Second best, you never fail me. I can count on you when everyone fails me. Now you they honor me with your blessings and favor, Lord. I thank you, my Jesus. Oh, thank you, my Lord. Darling, darling Jesus, darling Jesus. Oh, my darling Jesus, you are wonderful, Lord. I love you so, my darling Jesus. Oh, my darling Jesus, you are wonderful. Oh, sing, my darling, darling Jesus, darling Jesus. Oh, my darling Jesus, you are wonderful, Lord. I love you so much, darling Jesus. Oh, my darling Jesus, you are wonderful. My whole born yame, my whole tone is so, my rest anymore, him on I am my home born yame, my home tone is so, parish anymore, me moon, my home, my home born yame, my home tone is so, parish anymore, me moon, my home born yame, my home tone is so, parish anymore, me moon, one more time, my home born yame, my home tone is so, parish anymore. 
a shout of praise. Hallelujah. Amen. Bow down your heads and let us pray. Father, we thank you this morning. We choose to place our trust and our confidence in you. We depend on you, Jesus, because with you, we have assurances and certainties for this life. And today, your word is about to be delivered. Thank you, Father, for the opportunity to hear this word. And I pray in the name of Jesus that you will speak to us. Open our eyes, open our ears, open our hearts. Impart our lives. Bless each and every one of us in the mighty name of Jesus. Have your way amongst us. May nothing stand against the entry of your word. I pray may we all be greatly affected today in Jesus' mighty name. And let the people of God shout aloud, Amen. amen. Another amen. amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Hallelujah. Amen. Tell your neighbor something good is coming your way this morning. Turn your Bibles with me to John chapter 10 and verse 10. John chapter 10 and verse 10. And I want us to read it together. From the New Living Translation, which should be up there on your screen. John chapter 10, verse 10. Let's read it together. Ready? Go. Hold it. Hold it. Hold it. I can only hear a few voices. Everyone, read it from the screen so that we can all be on the same page. Let's take it together. Ready? Go. Hallelujah. Amen. Who is speaking here? Yes. It's Jesus. And he says, the thief's purpose is to steal and kill and destroy. But my purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. Now, who is the thief here? Obviously, it is the devil. This is one of his nicknames. So, the devil is a.k.a. The thief. Now, he has a purpose and agenda for God's people. His purpose is to steal from us. 
to steal your joy to steal your peace to steal your comfort if you give him an opportunity that is what he will do in your life today may you close every door that you have opened to the devil giving him the ability to steal from you amen can i hear your loudest amen amen then his agenda also is to kill us if the devil gets an opportunity he will kill you if he gets the opportunity he will kill the people who are close to you I declare to you this morning that every plan of the enemy to kill you has failed in the name of Jesus I speak to somebody today who is afraid of dying that you will not die amen but you will live to declare the glory of god amen every dream that you have been having jesus where you saw yourself lying in a coffin Mm. where your funeral was being held this morning i superimpose god's higher purposes over that plan of the enemy concerning amen he will not be able to kill you before your time amen you shall live to a good old ripe age. Amen. Bringing glory unto the Lord. Amen. Shout, I receive it three times. I receive it. Two. I receive it. Three. I receive it. Hallelujah. Amen. And his other purpose is to destroy us. If he gets, he will destroy your business. He will destroy your finances. He will destroy your marriage. He will destroy your health. Whatever his plan is to bring destruction your way, I cancel it in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. So that, ladies and gentlemen, is a summary of the devil's purpose concerning you and I. But thank God that the scripture doesn't just end there. It goes on to reveal to us what Christ's purposes are concerning us. And so Jesus continues and says, my purpose or my agenda is to give them a rich and satisfying life. To give us a rich and a satisfying life. That is a life of abundance. A life of satisfaction. A life of fulfillment. A life of accomplishment. And by the way, this is not referring to life spent in eternity. It is inclusive. But this scripture is describing how life ought to be for you and I right here on earth. And if anybody has made you to believe otherwise, I re-emphasize to you God's purposes for you. 
And that purpose is that we will enjoy a rich and a satisfying life. May we not go through bitter disappointment when we stand before God one day. Amen. When he reveals to us how our lives should have been but we're not. And I like to describe that as a tragedy. To live your life a pale shadow of how God intended it to be. May you live a full life. Amen. May you live a satisfying life. Amen. May you live a fulfilled life. Amen. May you experience a life of well-being. Amen. In the name of Jesus. Jesus. Amen. And those of you who don't know how to receive it when powerful declarations are being made, my response to you is it is unto you. <laughs> The Bible says death and life are in the power of the tongue. And Jesus said the words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. These words that my purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life are not my words. These are the words of Jesus. And he described his words as being spirit and being life. One of the things you must learn to do is to receive in great faith the words of Christ when they are spoken back to you. Thank God that there is something called reset. So you have an opportunity to correct your wrong. I said in the name of Jesus Amen. may you experience a rich and a satisfying Amen. life. Hallelujah. Amen. Now this morning, I want you to do a little self-retrospection. And I want each one of us to ask ourselves. Am I living a full life. Am I experiencing a satisfying and a fulfilled life? Am I enjoying the well-being that is God's plan for me? Am I where God intends me to be? Am I even on my way to get to where God wants me to be? Ask yourself, am I fulfilling my destiny and God's purposes for me here. Now, this question, nobody can answer it for you. You got to answer it for yourself. 
But if your answer is in the negative, and you realize that things are not the way God wants it to be for you, then what this suggests is that you need a turn around in your life. And this morning, I want to share with you how to experience a turn around in our lives. How to experience a turn around in our lives. And this is the first part of this message. And we will, t- we will continue as we move along. How to experience a turn around in our lives. A turn around is a turn about. A turn around is a change in direction. Imagine that you set off on a journey to go to Aflao. You got to the station. You saw a bus. And you assumed it was an Aflao bound bus. When you were paying the fare, you said, hey, today the, the price is very low. And you congratulated yourself that I struck a good deal today. You said, Aflao, here I come. The bus takes off. You see Achimota. <laughs> then you see Pokwasi. Amasamai. <laughs> Then you see in Sawan. Soon. <laughs> By now, you should realize that I need a change in direction. <laughs> By now, you should recognize that I left something for change. And you have a choice. Now what do you to me? You can tell yourself that. So, so then you start asking that, oh, <laughs> where did they go? <laughs> and then mate will tell you, you have a choice. You can tell yourself that I haven't gone to Konongo before. <laughs> so I'll go to Konongo small. You can look for the nearest biggest town and get down and look for a bus that will take you in the right direction. So that is the concept of a change in direction. So a turn around is a change in direction. 
And it is something you need when you realize that my life is not going the way God wants it to go. Sometimes it is not your entire life. Sometimes there are certain areas of our lives that are not heading in the right direction. And in all these situations, what we need is a turn around. Ask your neighbor, do you need a turn around in your life? Did your neighbor mind you or he didn't mind you? Wow. How to experience a turn around in our lives. This morning, I'm just going to talk about one thing. And then we will end. But we'll pick it up again. The first thing you need to experience a turn around in your life. And I want you to write it down. It's Honest self-assessment and self-judgment. Honest self-assessment and self-judgment. That's one of the powerful keys to experiencing a turn around in our lives. Second Corinthians chapter 13 verse 5. And I want us to read it from the Good News translation of the Bible. Good News. Second Corinthians 13, Corinthians chapter 13, verse 5. Good News translation. Now, this is what it says Put yourselves to the test. Put yourselves to the test and judge yourselves to find out whether you are living in faith. Surely you know that Christ Jesus is in you unless you have completely failed. Give me the message. Same verse. Test yourselves to make sure you are solid in the faith. Test who? Yourself. Test who? Test yourselves to make sure you are solid in the faith. Don't drift along taking everything for granted. I like this one. Give yourselves regular checkups. You need first-hand evidence not mere hearsay. That Jesus Christ is in you. Test it out. If you fail the test, do something about it. Hallelujah. Amen. Then look at 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 31. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, 
New Living Translation, please. A version New Living Translation. Uh, give me King James. King James. It says, for if we would judge ourselves, we should not be judged. For if we will judge ourselves, judge who? Say that again, judge who? For if we would judge ourselves, we should not be judged. Now, Paul, the great apostle Paul, writes to the church in Corinth. And the church in Corinth had a lot of challenges. They had a lot of issues. There was a lot of division in the church. There was a lot of quarreling and strife. There was a lot of, you know, people feeling superior to others. There was a lot of sexual misconduct. Bad behavior in the church. There were cases where believers were taking other believers to court. And they were suing one another. So the apostle Paul writes to the church in Corinth in an attempt to address all these issues. And in his message to them, he says this to them. He said, Examine yourselves. Whether you are still in the faith. Test yourself. Then in the second scripture we looked at. He said for if you will judge yourself. We should not be judged. So what he was directing them to do. Was self assessment. And self judgment. Why? Why? Because it is one of the most powerful keys to experiencing a turn around in your situation. You know, it is ever so easy to turn the spotlight on others. And to attribute your problems and your challenges to somebody else. It seems to be like a default setting in many of us. To blame everybody else apart from yourself. And I dare say that this is something that came with the fall of man. And I'm sure you've heard me say before that one of the games we like to play in life is the game called the blame game. And we see that this was the game that was played in the Garden of Eden. It's called the blame game. When we were growing up, 
there was a rhyme kind of that we used to play with. So when you're skipping, you'll be reciting this rhyme. Some of you may be familiar with it. It, it goes like this. Who stole the toffee from the toffee tin? Number one stole the toffee from the toffee tin. Then number one we say, oh me, yes you. It couldn't be then who? Number two stole the toffee from the... T- number two we say, oh me, it couldn't be. Number three stole the toffee from... Then number three we say, oh me, it couldn't be. Number four, and, and then it just goes on. So by the time you finish the game, you don't even know who stole the toffee from the toffee team because everybody is blaming everybody else. Yeah, they should be. That's what's called the blame game. <laughs> Look with me at Genesis chapter three. And we're reading from verse eight. What I'm saying to you this morning is a message from the Lord to each and every one of us. It is one of the things that will lead us into experiencing a turn around, a turn about, a change in direction of our lives. So now in Genesis chapter 3, Adam and Eve had gone to have dinner with a snake. And God had appeared. So the Bible says in verse 8, when the cool evening breezes were blowing, the man and his wife heard the Lord God walking about in the garden. So they hid from the Lord God among the trees. Then the Lord God called to the man, where are you? He replied, I heard you walking in the garden, so I hid. I was afraid because I was naked. Who told you that you were naked? The Lord God asked, Have you eaten from the tree whose fruit I commanded you not to eat? And the man replied, It was the woman you gave me who gave me the fruit. And I ate it. Then the Lord God asked the woman, What have you done? this was a response the serpent deceived me that's why I ate it as for the snake God did not bother to ask him anything this thing is the origin of the blame game so there's a problem God has appeared on the scene He's trying to interrogate the issue. So he asks, What is this that you have done? Adam has the insolence to tell God that it is the woman. It is the woman you gave to me. I can imagine him telling God that I didn't ask you for a wife. I did not ask you for a wife. As we say in Ghana, I was sitting my somewhere. And then you dragged me. 
You did not ask me for my permission. My rib without asking me for permission. You took it. And you made a woman out of it. Then you woke me from my sleep. And you showed me what you had done. And at the time I liked. But I want it to be clear to you that the problem that has arisen now you cause some. Because it is the woman that you give to. So if you have any issues, it is between you and the woman. You are to blame. God said, Oh, me. <laughs> you know how sometimes <laughs> said, Oh, me. It couldn't be. So now God turns to the woman and says, Mommy, what have you done? He said, It's not my fault. It's a snake. You knew that the snake was more subtle than every other creature. So why did you create it? Because at the beginning of Genesis chapter 3, it describes the snake. Genesis chapter 3, it describes him. Verse 1. Look at verse 1. Genesis chapter 3, verse 1. The serpent was the shrewdest of all the wild animals the Lord God had made. Did, did you see it there? Mm. Who made it? Mm. Eh, so Eve told him. Eh, it's not my fault. It is the serpent. Eh, eh, you should have thought twice before you created it. So please, if you have any issue, sort it out with the snake that you created. That's what we call the blame game. Mm. And we too. We've learnt it very well. So all through our lives, we play this game. When something is not working in our lives, you're always looking for somebody to blame. Yeah. So, the common one is to blame the devil. The other time, they told me that the devil had gone to complain to God. <laughs> that is getting too much now. he said I know that there are some things that I've done but there are some things that I don't know anything about and they say it is me it's not fair God do something about it talk to your children I am tired of it every night I hear them praying and I don't even know what the problem is because what they are talking about I don't know anything about it Machine gun. About you. About you. About you. Wow. Because it's easy to blame him for everything. Now, have you read the scripture somewhere that says, Neither give place to the devil? That's Ephesians 4 27. It's a short verse. 
says neither give place to the devil you see the victory that Jesus won for us on the cross of Calvary was a total victory there was nothing he left undone nothing that is why you and I are described as more than conquerors. The Bible says he disarmed principalities and powers. And he made a public show of them. Triumphing over them through the cross. The Bible says that Christ is seated in heavenly places far above principalities and powers. And elsewhere it says that you and I are seated with Christ in heavenly places. So if he's seated there far above principalities and powers, where do you think your position is? The truth is this. Anytime the enemy is able to overcome us, it is because we gave him place. That's all there is to it. Because without us giving him place, he has no power over any of us. So we all need to get to the point where we recognize that if there is something happening in my life that is attributed to the devil, then I am the one who opened the door for him. The day you decide to take that place back is the day that you'll enjoy the victory that was already won for you. That's how it plays out. So we blame him for everything. Then we move it to another level. And now we blame God. Yeah. We blame God. Why did you make me a black man? Why was I born in Ghana? Of all the families in the country. Is this a that you have placed me in. So we blame God. Some of us blame our parents. Some parents blame their children. <laughs> Africa is blaming our colonial masters. For the states, the continent is in current. Ruling government blames the opposition. That the country is the way it is because of the bad policies of the pre- of the previous government. And the opposition blames the ruling government for how things are in the country. So the blame game continues. Employers are always blaming their employees. 
Employees are always blaming the employer. Students are always blaming their teachers. And teachers, you gave, you gave me what? You, you gave me F. This lecture, I had A and he gave me what? And the teachers are always blaming the students. They don't learn. It's always on social media. Playing on the path. Dancing and singing whilst others are learning. A crazy mistress. It's a blame game. And we've been playing it all this while. And nothing is getting better. So husbands will always blame the wife. Oh, that one, the origin was from the Garden of Eden. That's where we got our example. So don't blame us too much. That's what our great, 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 great grandfather taught us. And then the wives too. Always blaming the husband. You know, a few days ago, I was talking to a wife. She called me and she was very angry. Because she had finished quarreling with her husband. And it was over a domestic issue. Over water. (laughs) And they had insulted each other well, well. And she said something to me. He said, I'm even surprised that we ended up quarreling. Because the day before, we had prayed together. Somebody had given us some prophetic dilation. Which required that we do something at midnight. We have done it. We prayed together. The following morning, we are at each other's throat. And she went on and on. And it was all about her husband. He is this. He is that. He is this. He is that. I asked her. Ah, the prophetic direction, it didn't work. That's what I asked her. You stayed up at midnight to follow a prophetic direction. Why? It didn't work. And I explained to her. But the reason why it didn't work because the problem is not what you think it is. You keep saying that your husband is this, your husband is that. So then I ask them, what about you? What about you? I explained to her that listen, my dear, the turn around you're looking for is going to start with you. It's always easy to feel that somebody is responsible for your problems. And you raise hellfire against people. And sometimes the amazing thing is that the person you are blaming for your problems, he has nothing to do with the problem. Nothing, absolutely nothing to do with the problem. I explained to her. 
look at things carefully. And I started pointing out a few things to her. She was very quiet on the phone. Very quiet. Following morning, she sent me a message. Thank you very much. One of the things I explained to her is that how do you know this husband that you see as a foolish husband? How do you know if God hasn't given you such a husband because of something he wants to do in you. Because sometimes he wants to work on your patience. He wants to work on your temperance. He wants to work on your self-control. Could it be that that's the reason why you're, you're married to this kind of man? Because remember that in the life of a child of God, there's nothing like an accident. And if we want to experience a turn around in our life, so you look at your spiritual life. You look at your relationship with God. Why is it not progressing? What could it be? You look at your finances. Are things the way they are. Why don't I? Why am I always broke? And sometimes when you ask yourself that question and you start looking back, you, you will discover that actually a lot of money has passed through your hands. But hmm. Your mouth inside they sweet you. So it's not like you've never been blessed with a lot of money. But you chop up. And your, you, 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 you waste everything that comes your way. Sometimes your, our, our lives are the way they are because we've wasted the opportunities that God brought us. Do you know that sometimes you are asking God for something? What he does is he gives you an opportunity that will lead you to that thing that you are looking for. So when you blow the opportunity, you blow the blessing. And it doesn't have anything to do with the old lady in the village. It doesn't have anything to do with it. Self or honest assessment and self-judgment. Where you don't focus the, the spotlight, the searchlight on anybody else. But on yourself. On yourself. That's what you do. And also, yeah. And in Matthew chapter seven, it's time to close. So Jesus explains from verse one. Do not judge others, and you will not be judged. Verse two, for you will be treated as you treat others. The standard you use in judging is the standard by which you will be judged. Now you have to understand the context of the scripture. Because there's a place of judgment. In the Christian work and in the Christian experience. And there are things that God calls on us to judge. But go to the next verse. 
And why worry about a speck in your friend's eye? When you have a log in your own eye. What's the next thing it says? How can you think of saying to your friend, Let me help you get rid of the speck in your eye? Help me to get rid. Let me help you get rid of that speck in your eye. When you can't see past your own, when you can't see past the log in your own eye. The next verse. Hypocrite. Hypocrite. First, get rid of the log in your own eye. Then you will see well enough to deal with the speck in your friend's eye. One of the main reasons why Jesus seemed to always have issues with the Pharisees and the Sadducees is because of this thing. Hypocrites. A hypocrite is a pretender. Somebody whose actions belie what he's saying. <laughs> and with this scripture, Jesus is explaining something. And the summary is this. In every situation, assume that you are the one who has the biggest problem. That's what you should assume. Because when he talked about the log, it is in reference to you. And when he talked about the speck, it was in reference to your neighbor. So he's explaining that sort out the issues with you. Before you even think about sorting out the issue with someone. So stop blaming others. Such that when we come to church and the word of God is being preached, at the back of people's minds, it's like, hey, this message, you, you, are, you are thinking of somebody else that the message is for. So it's like, tell them. Is that not true? You heard of the story of the guy who, you know, was a source of irritation to his pastor. Because after every service, he will go to his pastor and say, Pastor, you preach a powerful message. You really gave it to them. You really gave it to them. The pastor couldn't believe it. Why don't you even say that you gave it to us? But it's about them. And the message was... So it's like, whatever message the pastor preaches, it's of no relevance to him. One day... It rained heavily. Nobody came to church. Except the pastor and this guy. And some of the most troublesome people in the church, they are also very faithful and committed. Always present. Don't go anywhere. When the pastor saw him, said, oh God, this opportunity I've been looking for. The way the pastor preached that day. Everything he knew about the guy, he brought it into the sermon. <laughs> and everything that he said, the guy was receiving. You know. hey. Amen. Amen. I receive it. I receive it. When, when the service ended, he goes up to the pastor. He says, Pastor, hey, 
Hey, hey, hey, you know how we do it in Ghana. Hey, hey, hey. I have never heard such a powerful message in my life. Ever since I joined this church, I've never heard you preach like that before. You preach, no? And the pastor was smiling. Then then the guy said something that almost made them. He said, ah, I wish they had come to church today. If they had come, you would have given it to them. So it's like everything that was said in the church. That's why the Bible describes the word of God like a mirror. It's like a mirror. That when we come to church, anytime we hear the word of God, tell yourself that a mirror has been put in front of you. A mirror has been put in front of you. I must look into that mirror. It is the perfect law of liberty. I must look into it. And when I look into it, it will show me. 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 Why do we look into a mirror? To check ourselves out. There's a smudge somewhere you need to clean up. There's something on the tip of your nose you need to clean it. Your lipstick has charred, so you are looking like a clown. <laughs> so you need to correct those things. <laughs> That's what the word of God is supposed to be. So as we've come and you've heard the word of God, that's what we're supposed to do. It's supposed to lead to a self-assessment. So we see ourselves as we are. If we really want to experience a turnaround in our lives, then that blame game thing, it has to stop. It has to stop you got to focus on yourself focus on yourself why is the business not working it's an attitude thing. do you know sometimes the reason why things are not working in relationships is because somebody doesn't know how to say sorry and somebody doesn't know how to say thank you these two phrases I'm sorry and thank you they solve a lot of problems and sometimes they struggle to say these two sentences is the reason why the problem is not going on it's not a demon it's not a demon there are things that they do I never forget what I told you. Everything that they do against us is because we give them peace. Do you know that your fear opens the door for these evil spirits to come? If you live your life constantly in fear, it opens the door. Unbelief. When you don't believe, you don't believe anything. You don't believe the word of God. You don't believe the promises of God. It opens the door. So the time has come when we look at things properly. Why 
Why? Why? Why is that? Why is it that everybody who comes around me goes? Why is my business going down? Is it an attitude? But, but it's always easy to blame the clients. It's easy. And sometimes it is the client. But other times it is not the client. Do you know that when you are dealing with people, it is a very difficult work. Very, very difficult. Very difficult. So it's a fact that working with people is difficult. But what you have to ask yourself is, why have others been able to work with people? Why haven't I been able to work with you? That's a question you should ask. What is it that the others are doing that has made them retain all these people? That I am not doing so everybody is falling. If you check it, you see that there's some attitude problems somewhere. Look, in working with people, eh, you you have to Pend yourself backwards. Hmm. People will come and tell you nonsense. <laughs> nonsense. But, but, but it's like you have to just learn how to control yourself. Because the Bible says wisdom is justified of her children. Because you see, there is something you are trying to achieve. Whatever you have to do legally to achieve that thing, it is worth it. Even if you have to make a fool of yourself, so that your objectives are achieved. So sometimes you have to listen to people talk to you anyway. And especially in these days of social media and all of that, they will take you on board and sort you out. Put it on their status. Put it on their page. Say all kinds of horrible things. And everything that they are saying is not true. Yeah. But you have to be cool. Otherwise, you fight with everybody. <laughs> so I say to you again that if we want to experience a turnaround in our lives, let's learn to do this. Honest assessment. Truthful assessment. Brutally frank assessment. Of yourself. And then judge yourself. And sometimes that's all God is waiting for. For he says, if we will judge ourselves, we should not be judged. If you take this message, all of us and let it ring over and over and over again in our minds and in our hearts. I guarantee that you would experience a turnaround Amen. in your life. Amen. Rise to your feet Sorry, and let us close. Hallelujah. Amen.
Thank you, Father, for today. Thank you for your word. Jesus. Thank you, Father, for what you seek to do in our lives. We admit, oh God, that this message is for us. Not for anybody else, but for us. And we ask, oh God, as we always do, for the help of your Holy Spirit. Because that's why you gave him to us. Mm-hmm. That he would help us deal with all sorts of things in our lives. Amen. Indeed, you have purpose for us a rich and a satisfying life. This is the life that we must step into. We pray, Father, that you would help us to deal with every obstacle hindering us from enjoying this kind of life. And I pray, may your Holy Spirit continue to give us deeper understanding of what we've heard today. Amen. In Jesus' mighty name. And as every head is bowed and every eye closed. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus as Lord and Savior. Then there's something that you ought to do that you haven't yet done. You need to bow your knees to Jesus. Surrender your life to him. And receive him as your Lord and Savior. The good news is that today I can help you to do just that. And lead you in a simple prayer. If you pray this prayer in faith, that great miracle called salvation will occur in your life. Wherever you are, I want us to pray this prayer together. Say, Heavenly Father, today, I come to you just as I am. Oh God, Please forgive me for all my sins. Please wash me with your precious blood. From today, I am yours and you are mine. I will serve you. I will follow you. I will live for you. Please write my name in the book of life. Thank you, Father, for hearing my prayer. In Jesus' mighty name, Amen. Thank you for listening to The Shepherd's Voice with Pastor Johnny Awanyo. We do hope that you were greatly blessed. For further inquiries, please call, WhatsApp, or send an SMS text to plus 233-243-886-622. God bless you.